Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the Stamp Show Here Today infotainment complex, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an APS-affiliated club. Listen to the end credits for information on joining. This is Lord Cash. This is Servant in the Place of Truth, Mark. This is Excalibur Chief Jim. I'm just a lady, that's all. (laughs) Well, we got a letter from Rick F., and uh, thank you very much. He says, uh, Dear cast and crew, we don't actually have a crew. No? (laughs) We... We wear both hats. Oh, okay. There is a dog. Yeah, there there is definitely a dog. (laughs) Yes. Love the podcast. The format feeds to my ADHD while still allowing my OCD to be fulfilled. I enjoy learning while being entertained. Please ask Scott to make a few more minutes each week to at least peek his head inside of the door and make a few snarky comments. Also, thank him for his service. Oh, that's very nice. Enclosed is a check to become a member and an additional membership fee for another person to continue the new tradition. <laughs> I love the tradition. <laughs> yeah, but the and remember last week uh, a fellow came in with his son and he said, "I'm well here. Here's ten dollars for uh, his membership." And I said, "Well, you know, I have." Two free members. Now I have three free memberships. I have a free membership. Go. Oh no 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 no. Here, take the ten dollars. It's like we can we can sell them for ten dollars, but we can't give them away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Rick. We really appreciate it. So uh, today, or actually, was it today? When did you get the the uh, check, text? The te- well, it was a. Real on my Instagram feed. Oh, okay. And you know how that is. is They come and go. and So I took a picture of it. But this is a Shop Now advertisement on Instagram. And it's uh, buy your stamps at hashtag stamps, hashtag mail, hashtag, hashtag post office, hashtag USPS, hashtag mail, hashtag stamps, hashtag stamps. Hashtag stamps here. So they they want everybody to see this. Yeah. Okay. $22.90 for 100 sheets. Um, quick math. These are not sheets of 100 also. These yeah, are, these are these are the mini sheets of 20 yeah. or the booklet panes of 20. But you're looking at 2,000 stamps for $22.90. Um, that is not from the USPS. Yeah, <laughs> they, they charge more than two cents yeah. a stamp. Mm-hmm. But there's a picture here, and we've got this in front of us. And to describe it is a stack of sheets that's probably, I don't know, four that's or five funny. inches high, um, at least 50, maybe more, 100 stamp rolls, and then booklet panes stacked 
oh, it looks like a couple inches high, three different stacks, and that's just in the one picture. So basically, I consider this to be a blowout sale on the old stock that they didn't put the tagging on. So they're not going to pass through the mail now. Yeah, these are all the old issues. These are none of the new issues. So right, there's yeah, nothing new couple, there. From a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So they're blowing out all their non-tagged uh, the counterfeits. Counterfeits. counterfeits that are more than likely to get kicked out of the postal stream. Right. But if you're a collector and you want to get counterfeit stamps, it's a pretty cheap buy. You know, like mm -hmm. penny a stamp. Yeah, well, you know, counterfeit stamps listed in the Scott's catalog under their, what is it, CC section? CF. CF, the CF section. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the counterfeits are really valuable, the old ones. The old ones are, yeah. Uh, the new ones, <laughs> you know, they're going, Not so much. they're going to be, you know, half face or something. They're going, they're going to be whatever the minimum Scott's catalog right. value is because right. there's so friggin' many of them. Yeah. It's very, very prolific. Um, when you, when you look at this picture, you just go, wow. You know, I mean, yeah, there's, there's probably, I don't know. I'm going to estimate several thousand dollars worth of face, maybe more, maybe $10,000 of face. Cause it's just rolls and rolls of hundred. Yeah. So stacks of sheets. Speaking of the Speaking dog. Speaking of the dog, there you go. <laughs> That's the crew. Going after a counterfeiter. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the the Canadian counterfeiters, and now we can officially call the Chinese counterfeiters because yes. everybody now has recognized that these stamps come out of China, not Canada. Well, we had the Fox, China. We had the Fox News story last week that called it count, Chinese counterfeit. Yep. And we had the Lens Magazine uh, several months ago that actually showed a label on one of the rolls that said made in China. Which, yeah, which actually a person posited that um, they did that so that they can import that and get it through customs. Exactly. Because it was clearly marked that it's from China. It's a product mm -hmm. of China. Right. Or, as I suggested last week or two weeks ago, it could be that the Canadians put that label <laughs> on there. So that they would put blame back on the Chinese. Yeah. Right. Draw attention away from themselves. Yeah. Right. Don't look over here. Look over there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> CCP. Chinese. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to give a first, I'm going to give out a shout out because uh, the Kelleher Connection is a magazine printed by Kelleher Stamp Auctions in Connecticut. I'm going to get some... Uh, so are you doing this also to plug your article? I will be in just a moment. Okay. Well, if you want to be modest about it, I'll plug it for you. There you go. Nah, he's not going to be modest. Mo what am I thinking? Yeah, not a thing that I am troubled by. <laughs> Neither one, actually. Neither one. Whoa, whoa, please edit that out. We are affiliated with PSE here. Honesty is not something I'm worried about. It does not go well. That's true. Did I say honesty or modesty? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I cannot, you know, 
I will find it. I will put it up next time. Uh, but just go to Kelleher Stamp Auctions and send them a email, and they will send you a link to subscribe to the Kelleher Connections. And I think it's like thirty bucks or thirty-five bucks or whatever it is. If you collect graded stamps, then the stamp market quarterly is printed in the Kelleher Connection. We don't put the books out anymore because they're way too expensive. So it's included in the magazine like they do in coin magazines. If you look in coin magazines, the center of the coin magazine, you either have gray sheets or blue sheets, and they give prices of coins, uh, coin values. We're doing exactly the same thing with stamps because, you know, issuing a specific um, book for values in today's cost of paper. I mean, if people out there, uh, you're not doing any printing or photocopying or anything, the cost of paper is crazy right now. So send an email to Kelleher Connections or excuse me, to Kelleher Stamp Auctions and, uh, you know, they will send you it, it, it. Honestly, I think they send you a couple of issues for free up front. The uh, magazine is great. It's got a bunch of articles in it. It talks a lot about the marketing, has the stamp market quarterly, and it has this article by this guy <laughs> named Cash Brafus. And uh, this issue had in it... Uh, an article that's actually based on, and I've spoken about this in the past. I have a, an exhibit for detecting reperforated stamps. And I wrote up a bunch of information in it. And so you can read it and you will get like a primer on how to detect reperforated stamps. And I think that the number one thing about detecting reperforated stamps is to understand how they're made. And it has always been, I don't know, a tradition. That's not the right word. To not tell people how stamps are reperforated because then the knowledge will be out there and people can become reperforators. And you sit there and go, you know, the people who are reperforating, they already know how to do it. Educating the people who aren't the reperforators, who have no interest in reperforating, that's going to help protect them. So really, you're not preventing the spread of reperforating. You're assisting the reperforators because the best way to detect a reperforated stamp is to know how they're made. And so briefly, we're going to have a discussion today on detecting reperforates. But if you look at my article, the very first thing I do is I show a picture of the old perforators that were, you know, used from the 1920, way back since the 1840s up to the, or not the 1840s, 1850s, 1850s up to, you know, like the 1930s. They used basically the same machines. And it was a big, huge, giant machine, gigantic with these big, huge rollers with pins in it. And it would reperforate. No, re- perforate. It would, it would excuse me, yeah. perforate. You would perforate re- imperforated stamps. Um, the new ones where people are using them to fake perforations are little. They're like the size of your cell phone. And they've got a little comb. And that's why we call them comb perforations. It's got a little comb and you push it down. 
and it's like a bar with 30 pins on it and you push it down and you poke 30 holes through whatever you put underneath it and that's how we detect reperforated stamps is by knowing the type of machine that's perforating them so we have four experts here at the table who work at PSE whose job it is to detect reperforated stamps so who wants to go first well I would say that uh, one of the things that the article does is it dispels the myth that there's a lot of effort required to reperforate a stamp uh, because a lot of times you'll you'll uh, I'll hear people talk about um, a very common stamp and uh, and and it getting reperforated and saying why would anybody bother to reperforate you know such a common stamp to make it look good uh, well the thing is is that it only takes a second to you know to do this and so why wouldn't you if you already have the machine to do it and you've got a stamp that um, you know the, what, that might grade an 85 but if you you know put it through this reperforator it would grade a 95 you know why wouldn't you do it mm-hmm. so well, um, and also um, less expensive stamps often are reperforated on a trial basis in other words the reperforator is taking a stamp that might catalog three or four dollars or at the most and reperforating it just to see how well it looks before he does his five dollar Colombian. Mm. And of course if you have a, a stamp with a straight edge, um, it's not gonna sell. But if you, you know, perforate the edge that has that's the straight edge, then all of a sudden it looks nice and, and it makes it a sell saleable stamp. Well that's what I have from my observations, that's the number one well, okay, that's the number two. Actually, the number one reperforating I see is to fake a stamp. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's a coil. Coil. Um, the number two reason to reperforate a stamp is to remove a straight edge. And you see it because it is so easy to reperforate a stamp. Once you have the equipment, you know, you're sitting there watching TV and you're just chicka, next stamp, chicka, next stamp, chicka. I mean, it almost take, is that fast. That, you know, some unethical, and it is unethical, it is totally cheating uh, to unethically remove all these straight edges. You know, you'll do it with, obviously, you'll do it with a $100 stamp. But you may do it with a $5 stamp. You may do it with a $2 stamp. I don't know what, you know, the person's uh, break limit is for you know what how much money they want to steal basically is what it boils down to so uh, let's talk a little bit about two things that you brought up the first thing is how the fake perforations are made but i think we also need to know how the real ones were made because then that tells you kind of what a real perforation is supposed to look at so my understanding is in those big machines that cash is talking about these roll, these big rolls would roll over the stamp in a uh, one direction. So I guess they would do horizontal and then they would do vertical. Well, it depends on the age of the stamp. Yeah. But yeah, so but as as that roller goes through the paper, it's going to cut the paper in such a way that it's not exactly perfectly round. It's more got a little oval look to it or a little bit of a ragged edge where the paper kind of pulls up when the roller comes up out of the paper. Think of um, 
a three-hole punch, and you put your uh, note paper or whatever in there for the three-hole punch, and you hit it all at the same time. That's what the a lot of the modern ones look like. That perfectly round hole that's got a nice little halo around the ridge because it's just perfectly cut. And um, that's not... I mean, that the first thing that strikes you is that's awful round. Those holes look awful round. Now, later perforations actually do look pretty round, genuine ones. Oh, well, the stamps that they make today. Yeah. You know, they don't use a rotary perforating device. And, you know, if you find one that isn't die cut, that has actual holes, those holes are perfectly round. And it's because they use a comb port perforator that perforates the entire sheet Sheet in one process. Just boom, sheet's done. Yeah. And actually, there's a 13-cent stamp that has both types of uh, perforations on it. One was done by the roller type, and one was done by that comb type. And actually, the comb type is the more um, plentiful of the varieties. But anyway, the point is, is I think in older stamps, if you if you understand that it, the perforations were rolled on, in, or rolled the pins pushed the paper in a rolling action, you can see that um, when you're looking at the perforations. The other thing that makes it easier for me to see is if it does engage properly um, that that's a telltale and you have to have a precision gauge to do that to actually see it because they're usually only off by half a perforation hole or something yeah well that's one thing that collectors don't necessarily understand is that perf 12 let's take perf 12 yeah there are three different gauges of per 12. So if you make this little hole puncher machine, and your hole puncher analogy is perfect, it's just instead of three, you know, yeah, Yeah, 30. Uh, So you have a perf 12 faking comb that fakes the 1902 perforations. Then you use it on the 1917 stamps, and it's like, no, they had slightly different. Their Perf 12, they're still 12, but it's like, it's actually like (laughs) 11.88. Right. (laughs) So you have a Perf 12, then you have a Perf 11.88. You're using the Perf 12 on the wrong stamp. Did your article have the different Perf gauges in it? No, I discussed mostly reperforating to remove straight edges. And the reason I ask that is because I saw an article, and I believe it was in uh, Lens or the APS Journal, one of those two that I get, that showed the different perf gauges. Yeah, that was Randy Shoemaker's article. Okay, there you go. Mm-hmm. Why don't you... Since yeah, he, he talked about... Um, uh, the you know the types of perf gauges that are that are out there, and he said basically they're they're so rudimentary that they're not usable. Um, that the um, that the Casulis gauge Casalis Casalis um, f- that was uh, made in 1965. That that's the that's the gauge that's the go-to for um, for expertizing uh, because it it shows all the perforation varieties that were done on U.S. stamps. That's what uh, we use. 
Yeah, and, it, and it's uh, and the the perforations uh, uh, are printed onto a piece of aluminum, um, so it's 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 quite accurate. And he talked about um, a the Sonic Imagery Labs, which is the plastic um, uh, type of gauge, and uh, and this is something in the article that I didn't know before. But there's actually three different versions of that gauge, and he talks about how um, you can you can look at the um, at, at the description of the, of the gauge where it says if it's if it's 10 in 1 if it says it's 10 in 1 then it has uh, accurate uh, perfol um, uh, or yep an accurate perfol representation but if it's the 11 in 1 which is the one I have then it's not <laughs> accurate and I actually don't use the the, the sonic imagery labs for I use the casalis uh, gauge for for perfs, but uh, but the Sonic Imagery Labs has some other stuff on it that's that's very helpful. So everybody is not go- if you go run out right real quick to get a Chrysalis perf gauge, be aware first of all you probably won't find one. Right. Second <laughs> of all, be prepared to be shocked at the price because a perf gauge, you know, they're damn near free. Chrysalis gauge, no, 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 no. It, but if you pull up a picture of it, you'll recognize immediately that it's not a normal gauge because, like Perf 12, they'll have the three different ones. And you'll look at them and you go, the holes are different size. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, they are. The uh, difference between a Perf 1288 and a Perf 1290 is also the size of the hole. And so you sit there and go, Ah, this perf perfs perfectly. Perf twelve supposed to be perf twelve is perf twelve, but the holes are the wrong size. So you sit there and go, "How the hell do you measure holes?" Well, it's really easy because the Casalis gauge has a little black dot, which actually represents the size of the hole. So if you line it up and you go, "Oh, this hole ain't the same size as that black dot," you go, "Well, guess what you got then?" Yep. Now you have to be aware that um, you can you can search for the Casalis gauge on eBay and stuff like that, and and you may find them. But be aware that there are two different versions. Oh, yeah. There is a gauge for Canadian stamps and then a gauge for United States stamps. Mm. Now the Canadian stamp uh, version is still useful because some of the uh, some of the the perforation holes are the same for United States, but not all of them. So it's uh, so if you get the Canadian one, you know that's that's partially useful. But uh, but yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna really spend a lot of time expertizing stamps and 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 specialize in that kind of thing, then you want the the United States version. And worst case scenario, always get a perfection gauge. Perfection gauges are really good. To, yeah. Also, um, just a side note: the reason why Casales put them out is because he was a reperforator. He was a really, really super good reperforator. And in the end, he goes, you know, I don't want to be known as a stamp crook. And so he put out these gauges, and now he's known as the guy who puts reperforators out of business. And it's because he knows what the reperforators did. And he goes, here, this little piece of aluminum will put 90% of the reperforators out of business. And so 
we sort of thank them. It's like uh, putting Bernie Madoff in charge of detecting Ponzi schemes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he ran the biggest one. He's going to know what a Ponzi scheme is. He's going to recognize him when he sees him. So it's sort of like the Nobel story. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to blow everybody up. Oh, um, I'm going to make a peace prize now. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, inside of the article, I go into that. But to go into what Jim said a little bit, as the paper rolls over, or excuse me, as the paper rolls under the perforator, two things you have to understand is, first of all, the paper is either being pushed or pulled through. It's not the roller goes over the top of it. The paper is moving, not the roller. So that's an important part because there's some sort of pressure on that paper to force it through. It's not like they're using gravity. So it's going through this machine somehow. Well, if you picture, I mean, take like a cup, like a coffee cup, and put it on a piece of paper and put it in an angle where it's first punching a imaginary hole. You'll notice that when the cup is sitting there, it's going to have a lot of pressure on that edge. Well, that pressure on that edge makes a really, really nice, sharp cut. So then you take the coffee cup and you roll it over the piece of paper and then it gets flat. You know, then, then just laying literally on top of the paper. And then you, when you lift it up the other way, you're still rolling it over. All of a sudden, when you're taking that cup off the piece of paper, there's no pressure whatsoever. You're lifting it up. So when the coffee cup first digs in it makes a nice sharp cut when it pulls out not only is it making an oblong you know like an egg shape but when it's pulling out there's not much pressure there at all and the lack of pressure usually makes it a more raggedy it's it's, some people call it rat chews it looks like there's rat chews and uh so It'll have a sharp side and a dull side and an oblong cut. When you look at a reperforated stamp, and particularly on coils, because if you imagine, you know, picture a comb perforator is literally you have like a comb in your hand. And you're imagining pushing the comb down onto the stamps and then moving it a little next stamp, next stamp, next stamp, chuck, 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 chuck. All these holes are nice and round because that comb is coming straight down. There's no rolling. Mm-hmm. Now, there have been reperforators in the past, people who are famous in the expertizing community who have made rotary perforators. They cannot fake everything, but they make some really, really good fake perforations. And uh, those guys you have to watch out for. But that is maybe like three people in the history of stamp collecting. Whereas there are hundreds of people who have these little ratty ones. When, when the pin comes out, there's not a lot of pressure cutting it, but doesn't it leave a little pressure ridge on that ridge when it pulls out? Yes. Well, I didn't even go into pre- discuss pre- pressure well, ridges. Yeah, that's that's what it is. is yeah, it it's it, you look at it oblong, oblique to the light, 
so that you can see the surface and you can see a little raise, just a ridge um, on the one corner of the stamp. Where the paper fibers were sort of smashed up and pushed they were up. Mushed in They're pushed as it comes out. Now, I, I haven't had a lot of experience in, like you have cash in the, the reperforating business, but um, it appears to me that on a lot of stamps that I look at, the pressure ridges aren't on every stamp, but they should be visible on every side, you know, on one or two of the perfolds. And that's, that's what I look for. Yeah, depending uh, on the stamps that are reperforated, depending on the type of perforated and the type of pins that you use, um, you can see pressure ridges on a reperforated stamp. But what I've noticed is that the pre the pressure ridges are not uniform to one side. They'll they'll mm -hmm. sort of you know they'll sort of wander around as you go up and down the the perf holes and, and inspect them with in oblique light. Um, whereas a um, a stamp that was rotary perforated. Um, the uh, pressure the pressure ridges are all uniform to to the direction that uh, you know that the stamp was being or that the paper was being pushed. So um, uh, and the other thing too is that uh, um, there are also uh, the types of pins that are hollow uh, when you're reperforating stamps, and those if you're familiar with uh, working with leather work or something like that, and you've got a hollow um, punch. Uh, it creates a sort of a, uh, a, a sort of a crater um, that um, that is a, a telltale sign of, of something that um, that's been reperforated. Because if you see that kind of you know crater edge, um, then you're you're 100 certain it's reperforated. You're looking at me. I bet you. <clears throat> no. <clears throat> oh, you want me to tell the story of me expertizing, and I was able to stop. No, I want you to talk to the people. That's why I passed you the notes. I was like, <laughs> say, say something like, um, I have seen. Do you need a script over there? <laughs> I've always, I asked him for that since the very beginning. But yeah, that, that's one way to spot a, um, a perf or, um, a, a reperf or a fake perf is if you have perforations in your hinge, on your hinge stamps. Oh, yes. You you, you had that one last week. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I remember uh -huh. seeing that. And it, it was also hinged through, it was hinged through the selvage mm -hmm. that was on there. Like it was, the selvage was folded back over it or something. And yeah. It was reperforated through that. Again, it's so easy to reperforate a stamp that, you know, sometimes you... Don't pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, in the Kelleher Connection article, I also talk about size. Because if you have a stamp and then you put fake perforations, you're taking paper away. Yep. And so you have the stamp shrink. Right. And one of the benefits of grading is that we measure the stamp because we have to determine, you know, the centering. So we measure it. And you measure the stamp, and all of a sudden, you know, the size of the margins is like 80% of what a normal stamp is. And you go, wow, I wonder why that is. Some What yeah. happened to 20% of the <laughs> And again, uh, this is a one-millimeter margin, so, you know, you're missing 02 
millimeters of a margin, so really, really small. You see it when you're measuring it, but all you know through the naked eye, it may look like a normal size stamp. But yeah, when when we measure it and you go, oh, this measures whatever, uh, you know, whatever grade, but look at it, the size. Well, the other thing I think that we need to talk about, and you mentioned it in your article, was the faking of coils, taking mm-hmm. imperfect stamps from the Washington Franklin especially, yep, and then faking coil pairs. Um, and that also, all these things that we've been talking about apply, but it is conceivable that you would have a really nice cut. It would look like it was a coil on the cut on the straight edge side, but you can tell on the uh, perforations going across, um, there's not that pressure ridge. And at the junction where the two stamp in a pair where the two stamps are together, there should be some kind of a little bulge or something on that last perf that kind of gives it a little push out on the straight edge. Well, that's one of the telltale signs that we look for. The other thing is I was thinking about this. Um, uh, Scott had mentioned to me one time that the good reperforators, re-perfor- we started talking about this um, idea of the pressure ridges and stuff, and they started uh, pushing it in and then jiggling it a little bit to give it a, uh, the appearance of having a wider ob- oblong look. Yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. work at all. Yeah, and you have, work to, at all. you have to be aware of that when you're looking at it. And one of the other things that I really enjoy is looking on the back of it and seeing one that's been perforated from the backside. Yeah. Because yep. that, that has the cratering that Mark was talking about, but it's on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, to point out Mark's, you know, where the edges or the ridges move around a lot. Generally speaking, there is this really low-tech style where instead of picturing a comb coming down with a whole bunch of little tongues, um, it only has one hole. Yeah. It's like a hole punch, and you're just moving it across doing individual holes. And as you do that, the pressure from the holes moves around. Right. But, yeah, I've seen the little one-hole reperforators, and I think mostly those are just like for cleaning up blind perf holes or something. But people try to reperforate stamps with them, and it first of all that's that's a chore, and second of all there's no way to make it look any good. Yeah, yeah spacing you, you, you is wrong. You get away with it if you're gonna fix a blind perforation, let's say, where it's, you're just reperforating one one hole, yeah, and the rest of the holes are genuine. Um, I think it's I think I think it's easy to get away with something like that. Yeah. That's that's more like cleaning up a stamp than actually reperforating for faking. You know, you can draw the line wherever you want. Uh, I because whether you use a punch to remove that missing chad, or you use a stamp tongs, or you use a little razor blade or whatever, you know, I'm willing to kind of give that a sort of a nod and a whatever. But reperforating an entire side in order to get more money from a stamp from an unsuspecting buyer, that's just clearly unethical. Well, the, we need to explain the term blind turf, I th- blind perf, I think, for those of you out there that may not understand. 
the if a one of those little prongs in the t- comb or whatever in the rotary um, pin if it breaks off um, or it gets will, really dull yeah it doesn't cut through the paper and or or just gets worn out and it doesn't cut the paper you see it you see a lot of stamps where the paper's cut but the chad hasn't removed and that's just kind of a uh, kind of thing where you use a pair of tongs or something you can you see pull it on a out. famous american issue all yeah. the time but those aren't blind perfs a blind perf is one where there actually is no hole punched but it happens in production that is not something that's been mishandled so it's a little different i guess it's kind of like taking the rembrandt and cleaning it up makes the painting look better well, going back to uh, Rick's letter real quick, it says, please ask Scott to make a few more minutes each week to at least peek his head in to your door. And guess who peeked his head in the door just now? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Cue snarky comment. Yes. <laughs> Cue snarky comment. All chads originate in Florida. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So you have anything, Ned? We're talking about uh, reperforated stamps. Um, well, I, I just caught the last couple minutes, but I, I think um, as Jim was mentioning a, a, a blind perf, uh, as long as it's done well and it blends into the other perforations, I see no reason why that should be called out. Um, oh, I don't even but if it's know a how job, it would be caught. <laughs> if it's a hack job, yeah. then you kind of got to deduct for it. Yeah, if somebody cuts Whether like you mention it or not yeah. on the certificate, you still got to ju- deduct on the grade if it's a hack job. Mm-hmm. So on that final note, keep collecting. Oh, and uh, Kelleher Stamp Auctions in Connecticut. The magazine is called Kelleher Connections. Oh, by the way, is this uh, is this going up on Thursday? This Thursday? Yes. Ah, then I am currently uh, on route to Rompex. Oh, in, how's your uh, trip in Colorado? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so far, yeah, it was a bumpy takeoff, but uh, <laughs> but so far smooth sailing. Um, yeah, I hope to see you in Colorado. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is ten dollars for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. (laughs) Because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.